everyone, my name is Jane Wilkinson and I'm the chair of East Lancashire Hospital Trust Mental Health and Wellbeing Network. This week is Mental Health Awareness Week and on today's podcast we'll be talking about this year's theme which is anxiety. Now anxiety is a normal emotion in all of us and it's a natural response to stressful situations and anxiety can become a mental health problem when it escalates and starts to impact on your ability to live and, and work as you would want to and that's what we're going to be discussing today. I'm joined today by some colleagues and members of the Mental Health Network and I will ask them to introduce themselves to everybody. Hi everyone, I'm Kate Atkinson and I am the Director of Service Development and Improvement here at East Lancs Hospitals. Hi, I'm Emma Watson, I'm the Divisional Lead Pharmacist for SAS and Family Care. Hello, I'm Joanne Davidson, I'm one of the Unison Officers in the Trust and I'm the Unison Women's Officer. Thank you. So today we're just going to have a, a chat about anxiety and our own experiences with anxiety. So would anyone like to start talking about their personal experiences with anxiety? I can kick off if you like. I would say I've always kind of had elements of anxiety in my life. I think certainly I, I grew up with a set of very hardworking parents and, you know, a real emphasis on working hard, achieving the best of your abilities etc and and I think while that emphasis is really good I think sometimes it can be difficult to know how to kind of balance the self-compassion around that and so certainly within my career I've always you know wanted to seize opportunities and work as hard as I can and I have a very strong empathic kind of uh, personality so the commitment to patient care you know nothing kind of should be sacrificed for patient care but sometimes it does come at a price and I think it, it probably hit me about seven seven or eight years ago now I think all my coping mechanisms had failed I was working harder and harder and harder not really knowing why I didn't quite feel a hundred percent and unfortunately I lost a friend of mine and it was quite a sudden bereavement and he was only very young and I think actually that that triggered a bit of a, a, a breakdown for me in that you know my anxiety really came to a head and and meant you know I wasn't able to to function at work um, I had to have a, a, a little bit of time off work and get some counselling and things and actually, even though I, you know, I still miss my friend to this day, it was probably one of the best things that happened for me in terms of my mental health because it it forced me to really take stock of how perhaps some of my behaviours and attitudes around work ethic and achievement and and the rest of it were sometimes quite damaging to my mental health. And all my coping mechanisms had failed. You know, my my immediate response in any crisis is work harder, bury your head in the sand, don't really yeah. talk about it, and and bury those emotions. And and actually, for everything to come to a head and me ha have to face that head on was a blessing in disguise. And so I I sought help. I, I did have some private counselling, but I also had a lot of support from the trust as well. So our occupational health teams were fantastic. I was referred for some counselling within the trust. And more recently going into the pandemic, I have found um, a lot of support with David Anderson and the team at the Spiritual Centre. So being able to tap into 
areas within work, within your working day, when you are feeling anxious, have been an absolute lifesaver for me in that I can, you know, I manage to get back into work and find strategies to deal with anxiety. I think anxiety is ever present, but I think yeah. there are ways in which you can recognise it presenting in yourself. And also you can use it as a bit of a superpower because I feel I'm fairly intuitive with my team as well within within pharmacy and you know within people that I work with across the wider trust and that sometimes you can pick up that people aren't quite right and obviously share share what mechanisms you have to deal with anxiety and put them in touch with some of the many different services available for help I, I guess that's me in a, in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> when did you realise it was anxiety? When was the switch on moment that you, that's what it was that was affecting you? I guess I got to the point where certainly after the bereavement, I tried to just carry on as normal at work. And I started to have a combination of mental health issues. So waking up in the morning, not really depression, so I, it's not that I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning, but it was the anxiety and the the apprehension about facing the day and what that might bring. And like like lots of us, our days are so unpredictable. They're very high pressured. There's an emphasis, a huge emphasis, as they should be on serving patients and getting things right. And that unpredictability for me really came to a head physically as well so normally I'm a very active person I, I love to go running I love spending time with my friends and family and I did become quite socially withdrawn and not really wanting to go out for a run just absolutely drained emotionally so it, it hit me quite profoundly in all areas really to the point where I just simply thought gosh what's what's wrong with me I'm gonna have to go to the doctors and it was the doctor who basically alluded to I had you know depression on the back of a bereavement and anxiety which was exacerbated because of the set of circumstances I was in. Thank you. Kate would you like to just taking yourself off mute would you like to come in? Yeah sure so it's weird isn't it actually because listening to your story I had a bit of a similar trigger actually with the loss of a relative at sort of quite a, a young age and at the same time a friend with a cancer diagnosis and I think at the time I put myself under quite a lot of personal pressure in terms of as you say wanting to do a really good job at work and wanting to do the best thing for the for our patients, for our organisation, for my colleagues, along with being a new mother uh, and the pressure that comes with that. And what I sort of realised was that I was starting to get quite run down, but still feeling that I still needed to do everything. And the way that the anxiety that I experienced started to manifest itself was around health anxiety. So because I was becoming unwell quite a lot because I was run down, I then started to worry excessively that there was actually something quite significantly wrong with me, but there wasn't anything, thankfully. But then I started to really catastrophize and worry all the time around what was going on with my health. So although that is how my anxiety manifested itself, 
actually the root cause of that was that pressure that was putting myself under the fact that I was tired and run down. And it wasn't until I had a full on panic attack where I was having those severe chest pains and actually thought I was having a heart attack and ended up taking myself to our urgent care centre a couple of times that actually somebody pointed out to me, you're not having a heart attack, but actually have you considered that this is more of a mental health thing and how it's manifesting itself in you is through this health anxiety because of these other triggers that you've got going on. I similarly ended up having to take a bit of time off work, which was a really, really hard thing to do because I think I really felt that I was letting people down. But I have a similar reflection, really, that it was almost the best thing that could ever have, have happened for me, because I think it's allowed me to take quite a different view on life in terms of what is really important. It is your health. It is about being there for your family and your friends. But you can do that in a different way without necessarily putting all of that same pressure on yourself. Uh, and you've got to sort of really find that that balance. And I think for me, that's how I sort of managed to come out of it the other side and you know generally day to day I'm absolutely fine I mean I, I work hard I've got a, a pressured job a lot of responsibility still but I'd sort of deal with it all in a slightly different way and I think the other bit as well is that I agree in terms of it gives you um that ability to be able to open up about that and talk with others and actually what I've really found is that people really respond to that and they will then start to share their stories, be it anxiety, be it other mental health problems. And I, you know, as a result, I, I really do feel that we've started to talk about it as a group of friends. So I think getting to a, a certain age where we're all starting to talk about perimenopausal symptoms and a real sort of link through there through anxiety. But actually, what I've found is that ability to talk and share about it is now one of my greatest coping mechanisms. And by doing that, hopefully sort of helping other people as well. So it's a weird one because I think before that, I don't recall ever really feeling anxious. And so what I didn't do was recognise it at all in myself. What I regret is that it took getting to that point to be able to recognise it, albeit the benefits are there now of that because I can recognise and do something about it and hopefully can recognise it in others as well. But there is something about that learning how to check in with yourself and really understand what's going on has been one of my biggest learning points and I really do hope if someone's listening to this that they you know, might find something in that in terms of being able to recognise something in themselves before it just gets too late. I would agree as well, Emma, I think the, the offer across the trust is, is really good in terms of access to early support and getting that support early can make a difference in hopefully being able to prevent the need to be able to, to have to go off work. Oh, absolutely. I think one thing is mentioned about the menopause and I think for me, anxiety has kicked in since the menopause. I've never had any issues with anxiety before that at all. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm feeling anxious about things I've never felt anxious about before. Being on a Teams meeting and having to talk now gives me anxiety because I lose the words. The menopause or me loses words that I really want to say and I, and, I, and I just forget them. And I think that makes me anxious. And so I put myself 
in that situation to push myself to to get through that anxiety but there are situations that now that I put find myself in where I am really anxious that I'd never been before and it's it's understanding what that feels like and how you recognize that it's anxiety so for to start with I, I didn't see it in myself and I think it was my family that recognized it in me more than anything else and that change in in how I was responding to situations I had a panic attack on the tube in London. I used to live in London. I went on the tube every day, but being in a enclosed space surrounded by people now makes me really anxious. I've never had that before. And that whole change in, in how I'm approaching situations, I found really, really difficult. And I think my first response is to be angry with myself and tell myself that it's irrational. What am I doing? Uh, <laughs> and that was my first response. Well, why, why on earth am I behaving like this? Why am I feeling like this? This is totally irrational. And, and actually, I just need to get a grip of myself. And, and actually, that's not what you need to do. <laughs> and I think I've, I've been lucky. I've had support from my family. We have support from our occupational health and everywhere else that gives us really good support for things like that. But you have to recognise it in yourself first and, and understand what, what's happening to you. And I've, I've felt that really difficult. I found that really difficult to actually admit that I've got an issue with anxiety, but it does help. I went on a session that Janet Gray ran a couple of years ago and went on one of those sessions and they give you some ways of dealing with it. And one of the ways of dealing with it when you start to feel yourself getting anxious is to put your hand on, on your heart. And I find myself doing it all the time, especially when I'm on Teams meetings now, just to just ground myself and get myself back to where I need to be. It can be quite frightening. And I think when it becomes extreme and having a panic attack on the tube and it took every ounce of, I don't know, resistance to stop myself when the doors opened on the tube, just running out of the tube and running up to up to where uh, the normal level on, on the tube. So yeah, it can be quite distressing when you start feeling anxious. So I think it's just normalising that actually, yeah, anxiety is a normal part of your, your everyday life and things are anxious, things get stressful and it's just recognising that. And understanding what you can do to put it not back in its box that sounds the wrong way but putting it back into perspective and giving yourself ways of dealing with it uh, my story is quite similar to yours jane in that my anxiety started with the menopause uh, i've suffered with depression for most of my adult life and i've been on treatment for that for forever but yeah again never been anxious really i've got i've got a sister who suffers with a really bad anxiety so i kind of knew what anxiety looked like for some people but yeah man definitely I think started with the menopause part of it obviously as well coincided with me changing roles so I went from my medical secretary job where I could kind of do it standing on my head to working for Unison full time with all the challenges that brings I'd done basic meetings before but I'd never done a capability hearing I'd never done a disciplinary hearing so I think it all sort of came together and, and I know the first couple of hearings I was really, really anxious. I've done Headspace for quite a long time. So I'd, I'd done some grounding with myself in a quiet room before the hearings and they went fine. I still feel I suffer with anxiety when I'm going into that situation, but I know how to manage it. Another thing that my anxiety seems to have thrown up as well is imposter syndrome. I used to feel like I didn't belong in the room with everybody else. Fortunately, I've, I've got past that and, and I don't feel that anymore. But I do still feel an element of anxiety, which I think isn't a bad thing because 
when we get to that stage, we are looking at people's continued employment with the trust. So I think a, a tiny bit of anxiety is not a bad thing because it makes you focus and, and want to do your very best, which obviously as a union um, officer, I always want to do my very best for every member that comes to me. So yeah, I've used similar coping strategies. Like I said, I do Headspace, which is still free for NHS staff. They they stopped charging for it during the pandemic and they've carried that on, which is really good of them. But when I do have to repay, I will do because it's it's worth its weight in gold to me. I've had counselling through Serenity, which I've accessed through occupational health. I'm very open in meetings. Quite often, one of the questions on a sickness form will be about support and do you want referring for any counselling? And, and people quite often will be quite resistant to counselling. And I will openly say, oh, I've had counselling. I'd recommend it. I'd wear a T-shirt happily saying counselling's fab <laughs> because it, re it really has. I've had a lot over the years. I'm, I'm happy to say that for one thing and another. And if I lived in America, I'd have a therapist. I'd be one of those people who were going to the therapist once a week <laughs> because I really do think it can help. It's not for everybody, but I would always say to a member, make that initial call to EAP, just have a conversation. If you then decide it's not for you, that's fine, but you might find that it actually really, really helps you. And also I have done, I do every session Janet puts on if I can. <laughs> as soon as I see sessions from Janet, I book on them. And again, I would uh, strongly recommend those because uh, Janet's fabulous and the sessions are really, really good. Thank you. In terms of everybody in the group, how do you know when anxiety is starting to affect you? I think for me, it's the I recognise it from the physical signs. Sometimes we might have a bit of a flutter in the stomach about something that's a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable. But I think I'm very lucky in that I've never actually had a panic attack. But I do feel that like my, my heart sort of goes a, bit, a little bit faster, and my stomach goes. Ooh. That for me is how I tend to recognise it more in my stomach like a swarm of butterflies or whatever the correct word is are, uh, are in there um, and much more than in a kind of normal in inverted commas situation. I would just say exactly the same Joanne and while you were chatting and as well Jane when you were talking about being on teams especially on when you're on a teams call and sometimes Joanne I know you touched on having imposter syndrome mm. that's a real it, it's such a real thing to go through isn't it especially when you move into a different role because I think that's when anxiety really shows itself for me when I might be in a meeting I might have to have a conversation that might be a bit challenging there might be lots of different people all listening at once it, even this podcast it's nerve-wracking because you you want to do a good job and you want people to get something out of it you do get that sense of brain fog really because things don't flow quite as naturally as you'd like to and it's very easy like you said Jane to immediately beat yourself up around yeah. how you're responding to that but actually you know it's I, th I think Teams is great and you know it means that we've, we're all able to come together and have this conversation now and put it out as a podcast but sometimes losing that face-to-face -face and picking up on mm -hmm. some of the body language and just that informality sometimes it can spark those nerves and that sense yeah. of imposter syndrome because you can't read the room the same as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. I think if you're in, in a room, you can you do take those cues, don't you? You can kind of 
even though we can see each other, you can kind of see each other to me better almost. And, and like you say, it's body language. Sometimes if someone's sat there in a room doing this, you know, all tense and everything, you think, oh, something's not quite right, but you, you don't get that same thing. And as you say, with a new role, I think, and particularly when you go into a, our established team of at the time grew you felt or I felt knew everything there is there was that element to me of oh am I, am I doing as good a job as they do and unfortunately one of my sisters I, I, I was going back to my old job after six months I was like that's it I'm going back I'm rubbish I can't do it blah 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 unfortunately one of my sisters said no no you're just having those sort of first person nerves and you know you you want to do this job it's something you'll be good at doing and she really helped me realize that I was kind of probably just going through a bit of a, an, an anxiety attack about it for me, I, I always know when I'm starting to get anxious because I'm always fine in the moment and I can just deal deal with stuff, but mine's always afterwards. So what I will tend to do is start to overthink something after it's happened. And then I really know if the anxiety levels are starting to raise, if I then start to wake up in the night, because I think it must be something about how your brain processes it when you're asleep or something, but then I'll suddenly sort of wake up and then I will not be able to get back to sleep and then mm -hmm. I'll be a couple of hours awake in the night and it's almost like I've got to completely like worry through the problem whatever it is for a couple of hours before my brain will just allow my anxiety to relax a little bit to get mm -hmm. me back to sleep and I think you know I think that's fine as a, as a one-off everyone will have that but I know when my anxiety is getting bad if that's sort of starting to happen on a regular basis and then I know I've got to really sort of take a bit of a step back and just think right what's going on what's leading to that what do I need to put back in place in terms of my coping mechanism so yeah do I need to start listening to a bit of mindfulness because I've, I've got about three different uh, mindfulness apps I absolutely think they're brilliant or I haven't been to the gym for a week or two I really need to go and like get get my stresses out in a slightly di different way mm -hmm. so yeah, I think that understanding your triggers and being able to identify some of those is key because I think that's the big learning point for me now is that I just did not recognise it at all when it first happened. And if I'd been more self-aware of some of that and the outset, would I have got to the point where I was having panic attacks and needing that time off work? And, you know, I mean, I've not even had a day off sick really since the five six years ago when that happened and I think that is all down to being able to recognize some of that much better in myself than I ever used to be able to. I think it's self-compassion isn't it and Joanne just when you were talking about your sister was the person to kind of really help you out in that in that situation it's almost like being able to have that conversation with ourselves and think actually yes. it's all right you're having a yeah. wobble it's understandable we're all human it's all right that you're not up here it's all right that you're on a journey and we're going to get things right and wrong and you know like Kate was saying it's about listening to what you really need in that moment but yeah the lack of yes. sleep the head whirling in the middle of the night that is <laughs> the all over the overthinker and it's One never as bad the following day is it <laughs> Sorry, one of the things I've, I don't know if it was a, a Reddit or it's probably from when I was having one of my counselling sessions and they said, talk to yourself like and talk to your best friend. If your best friend came to you and said, oh, I'm rubbish, I can't do this, I'm doing a bad job or I've not I've done this wrong, what would you say to them? And the first thing you'd say is, 
you're possibly overreacting let's talk through it and let's think about it and so I, I do try and do that with myself sometimes and like you say I think it's just it's being kind to yourself isn't it and I think I'm with you in terms of I feel it physically I feel mm-hmm. it across my back when I, I know I'm getting over anxious about anything I feel it physically and that's my prompt to reassess what I'm doing and where I'm at I think we've mentioned quite a few coping mechanisms, coping methods, things that we use. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that maybe help people that are listening? One of the things I I try and exercise every day, I know Kate, you said about thinking if you've not been to the gym for a while, I have many, many playlists on YouTube at home. (laughs) Five minute walks, 20 minute walks, because I have arthritis in my knees, so running's not something that I tend to do. But yeah, and and I I do find that helps and I, I I try and do exercise exercise and headspace every morning before I log on or before I come into the office it's not always possible if you've got something earlier but I try and do that every day and and I think that has helped me I like the grounding yourself one so they're sort of like Mm. checking in with each of your senses so you you touch something and then you feel grounded you're listening out for something you're going to try and smell something and it just brings you back into that moment doesn't it so I think the thing with anxiety it's your mind just going a million miles an hour for me that's like the really hard thing and actually you need to get yourself out of your head because that's really unhelpful thinking behaviors it's not going to do you any favors and actually what what can you do to just get you quickly like back into the moment and just Mm -hmm. really understanding that you're not in your head you're in your real life yeah (laughs) you're best off living that and just dealing with whatever it is rather than just catastrophizing or thinking about something that's not even happened I think to kind of rescue myself at work if I'm if I'm having a difficult day and I am particularly anxious breathing exercises so taking some really long deep breaths and just going to have a minute you know even if you're really, really busy, even just before you log into the next Teams call or you go to the next meeting or you go up to the ward, whatever you're doing, if you just take a few deep breaths, it's amazing what that does to your heart rate and does to your kind of cognitive function because mm. you're no longer in that fight or freeze. You're starting to think a little bit more rationally and and clear. I'd agree with that. The breathing thing works for me. Just focusing on breathing can make a real difference and just just calm things to calm your mind down is there anything anybody else would like to add at all I think I'd just like to plug the sessions that Janet Gray does do if anybody's listening to this because I as I say I try and do them whenever she does them and and there's only ever a couple of people on and I know people are busy and obviously sometimes it's in your work and you can't get off shift etc but if you can do them I would strongly recommend them because like you Jane I I don't do the hand on heart enough but it does instantly soothe you it, it's such a good thing to do yeah I, I'd second Joanne and also you know a lot of the pharmacy team and well a lot of colleagues across the organization do use David Anderson for mm-hmm. not only counseling sessions if but also he does host some group lunch sessions where you can just come and have an informal chat with your friends and colleagues at work and just kind of get that breathing space within work's time and I think it just helps to keep staff feeling valued that it's important for people to have that space to do that during work. 
Right, thank you very much today for all our guests for being so open and honest about their own mental health journey. I'm hoping that this podcast can show the people that are listening that anxiety can affect anyone and encourage people to talk about it and seek support where they can. There is a lot of support out there, as we've mentioned before, across the trust. The Mental Health and Wellbeing Network have organised a number of events across Mental Health Awareness Week, which includes some sessions with Janet, both virtual and in person, and also with David Anderson as well. We're also organising some sessions with just activities that help focus the mind and can help with anxiety, arts, crafts, that kind of thing. So. The programme has been put out on comms, so please have a look. Please book on when you, where you can, and we're encouraging staff and managers to allow allow themselves that time to, to learn something that may help them in the future. The libraries, both at Blackburn and at Burnley, have got displays on Mental Health Awareness Week with articles and books in relation to anxiety. So please have a look at that as well. And us on the social media across the LHT in Mental Health Awareness Week, we'll hopefully be sending out tips and, and ways of dealing with anxiety. So thanks again, everybody, and I hope you all have a great week. <laughs>